This is the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Now please welcome your host, Ed McKnight. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. I am your host, Eric Knight, and I was in a cafe a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it was a couple of months ago, and my phone starts starts rattling around, and uh, I've got a new message from uh, on the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast Facebook page, a guy called Cam Cal Cohen, who says, hey, I've been listening to some of your podcast episodes, and I'd be interested to, to come and do a podcast recording with you. And I'm standing there with, with my friend Cody and he says that guy's legit you definitely want this guy on your podcast I've heard him speak I've heard him speak a couple of times and you definitely want him on your cast and so here in the studio today we have Cam Calcohan Cam how you going cool man well thank you Cody for for giving me the big up when you got the message which awesome I'm doing very well oh really glad to hear that yeah well I'm, I'm just stoked to have you in the um, in the studio because I'll admit I, I hadn't heard of your story before um, before you decided to come on the cast and I started doing my research but I, now that I think about it I can't believe that I hadn't because your story is, is so interesting do you want to just give a, a little bit of a the highlight reel for, for the listeners who maybe haven't heard of you in the past yeah man well first off it's all about creating opportunities for yourself right so exactly that's what I was doing when I reached out to you and that's what I've been doing my whole life so I was born with cerebral palsy a physical disability which affects the way in which messages travel around my body and at that point uh, my mum and my dad were told that I would forever be dependent on others and we had a choice that we could either do what society expects of us or we could dream big and achieve more and that's what we went for and so ever since I was a kid I had this vision of this life that I wanted to live and it was a life of awesomeness it was a life of excellence it was a life of acceptance and so in order to do those things I was stepping outside my comfort zone and it got to a point where as a high school student I got in sport representing New Zealand in the 100 and 200 metres aspiring towards the Paralympics and as a part of that journey people would be like oh Cam can you come and speak to us can you come and see your journey you know we'll sponsor you to Australia but we'd love to hear from you when you get back and I'd be like no 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 like I hate speaking like speaking's the number one thing in the world right and when you talk funny you know that a voice in your head is on overdrive and then after saying no a few too many times, I thought maybe I'm missing my biggest opportunity and that all I have to do is create content that I know is going to be value if people choose to listen to it. And so now I've got a bit more confidence because, yep, I might be scared, my speech might be different, but I know that what people are going to hear, they're going to enjoy, they're going to appreciate. And from that point on, uh, you know, 15 years later, I speak full-time all over the world as an inspirational speaker. That's awesome. Hey, can I ask you something? Um, uh, this might be a bit politically incorrect or whatever, but did have you kind of worked on... Um, on on speaking or um, kind of physical movement or anything like that because just from kind of meeting you this this morning, I uh, it, it it kind of appears that it's 
you're not that different, if I can use that word. Like, I'm <laughs> trying to simply go over my words because I don't know the right way to articulate No, this. no, it's but, cool, man. But, you know, like, like it doesn't seem um, that it's affecting you that much. You well, know? Uh, so it affects everyone differently, right? Yeah. And okay. uh, first seven years of my life, I would go to the hospital every single day for speech therapy, physiotherapy, anything ending in therapy, I did it, right? Yeah. And then I, I stopped because none of my buddies were going to the hospital every day. Yeah. And the doctors would say things like, oh, but canvas will help you and you're an adult. But I was a kid. Yeah. I wanted to do what other kids were doing. Yeah, yeah. And then I got into my sport and I realised the stronger I was, the more flexible I was, the faster I would be. And so from those things, you know, I got into my sport, that replaced physio because now I had a purpose. Uh, Instead of worrying about the way I talk and seeing my speech as an impediment, I decided to see it as an accent. (laughs) uh, At school, I did drama, not because I enjoyed it but because I was scared of it and I saw school as a place where you give these opportunities to challenge yourself but you may not get again so do that and uh, I've, I've always enjoyed stepping outside my comfort zone from a retrospective point of view so when I look back and I go wow that was so scary but now look what I've been able to do that's so cool because I imagine that I mean if I think back to the first day of high school for me like I was scared out of my mind I didn't have that kind of um, mindset of I'm just going to go crack it out and I'm going to do drama and I'm going to do music and I'm going to do sports and all of this I mean did you come into high school on your kind of first day being like man I'm just going to smash this or were you like most people being pretty scared of everything yeah I was like most people and probably on the flip side of that on the on the downward side you know if most people were zero I would have been minus five but um at primary school I so and being born with you and being born with a disability you don't know any different right you, yeah your mates don't know any different you just grow up as cam they just see you as cam so primary school intermediate school was all cool because i was around kids who had always known me um and then i became a teenager i went off to high school i went to a school i hadn't been to i didn't know anyone there and so at that point i was really feeling quite small I was feeling really different and that first year of high school was a year where I for the first time in my life had no friends I felt uncomfortable I was thinking really negative thoughts Mm -hmm. about myself and about my life and about my future but behind the scenes I still had my dream I still wanted to travel I still wanted to entertain I still wanted to connect with people and so to give up on that seemed like the biggest waste of life and then to also use that dream as a driver to actually listen to the people who are saying, hey, Cam, you're strong, you can do this, Mm -hmm. what do you need to do? I changed school, I went into a new school, I kind of had the opportunities to start again, and from that Mm -hmm. point at that new school, I've gone back to the Cam I'd always been. Awesome. That's cool. And so how did you get into, into running and your athletics? So at that new school, uh, my school principal was an awesome guy called Alan Peachy, who 
unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but he was a real forward-thinking kind of guy. And he was all about creating a culture within the environment. Like, he saw that, yep, he was the leader of a school, but as a good leader, you've got to get everyone else leading their own journeys. So on my first day at that school, he said, Cam, what can you do for my school? And I was like, dude, like, what do you mean? <laughs> what am I going to do for your school? Like, this is your school. You teach me. And um, But he had the biggest school in New Zealand, Wingy Toto College. Oh, yeah. Uh, and with that, you know, that's the challenge he put out to all the students. And my good friend at school was a guy called Terenzo Bazzoni, the Iron Man. Uh, he's, he's now a... a a world-class Ironman and when it got to doing the school athletics day and putting our names down he just encouraged me to put my name down and it was it was scary as heck but I when everyone was going off to sports day I didn't want to be home or in class by myself so I did it Oh, yeah. I think I've met Terenzo, actually. He's a real nice guy. Isn't he like really a cool guy. Terenzo Bisoni, great yeah. name. He's a, he's a, yeah, you'll never forget it, right? No. You know, you never heard something like that yeah. before. Um, but isn't he an ambassador for life education yeah. in New Zealand Yeah, or yeah, like life that? education trust, cool trust, done some speeches to him, and held, everyone knows Harold the Giraffe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. He'd be almost as tall as Harold the Giraffe, eh? Oh, I try. I was standing next to him a few years ago, a few weeks ago, actually, and he uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a big unit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting that I, I've I've heard this quite a lot recently of um, people who who end up doing inspiring things. That all it takes is sometimes a really good mate next to you who who gives you the push to go and do it and to go out and do whatever it is that you're looking to do. Yep, totally. I mean, it takes it, it's small words that inspire big actions, right? Mm-hmm. So, like saying, just do it. And those were his words. Just put your name down for the 100 meters. So simple. That's something we can all do. And so, and I see people like Terenzo, like uh, all these people who have encouraged me in my life are opportunity-centric people. So what they do is they put opportunities ahead of challenges Mm -hmm. and you start to see that in their own life because they reach these high levels of awesomeness and part of that is because they see it in everything that they do yes challenges are going to come along the way but they'll put those opportunities first and so that's what I've been inspired to do with everything yeah. How do you yeah. reckon you become a, an opportunity-centric person? First of all, that's a cool term, by the way. I've never heard somebody put it like that, like opportunity-centric. I'm like, I kind of like that. But how, how do you say that somebody listening to this at home is um, is down in the dumps a bit? Maybe they're a negative five or a negative three as well in terms of um, their mindset at the moment. How do, you, how do you make the shift to being that kind of opportunity-centric person? Well... I, be, I believe our dreams are a big part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And some people say, I don't have a dream. And I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I, I think what happens is that we let life get in the way. We let our perceptions of our, our, our new situation, whatever that situation be, get in the way of a dream. So get back to ourselves of what is our dream. And our dream can be broken into two things in terms of 
well, from my perspective, it can be what do I want to be or what do I want to do? And so a B is going to be real specific. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a scientist. I want to be an athlete. I want to be a speaker. I chose what do I want to do? What kind of life do I want to live? I want to live a life where I can travel, where I can entertain, and where I can connect. And so because that was, when I was feeling down, I still wanted that life where I could travel, entertain and connect. And so now I'm looking for those opportunities in my life. And and that's how I became the athlete and the speaker. But if mm-hmm. I'd said those two things when I was a kid, I want to be an athlete and a speaker, I would have been up against all social barriers, mostly in my own head. Yeah, and we were just speaking about this before we jumped on air as well, that um, when, when you're up speaking or doing, doing really doing anything where that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone, you've always got this kind of thing in your head talking away, um, you know, saying, oh, should I really be doing this? Oh, I'm not sure if I can. Um, I'm not sure if you've read this awesome book called uh, the, the Inner Game. There's a, there's a whole series of them. There's the Inner Game of Music, the Inner Game of Tennis and all of these things. Cool, um, no, But it's, um, it, it's the same set of principles about dealing with that inner voice no matter what um, your your kind of uh, profession is or what you're trying to trying to work through yeah. and, and it's similar kind of you know working through these techniques of how are we going to silence that inner critic um, totally. within ourselves totally I mean a couple of weeks ago I was uh, in Queenstown and I saw a sign called bungee jump and it's uh, fear less live more and I thought oh, I wonder what it's like to do a bungee jump and so I, I, I parked my car I walked down the spiral staircase and I saw this lady and she had more energy than a can of V right she was like yeah. and I, I said what does it take to do a bungee jump and she was like well you can do it at 2.30 or you can do it now and I was like well, well I'll do it now because the less time I have to think about it the better and as I'm walking out I'm thinking man what are you doing Cam like this is so weird you're gonna jump off a bridge this is scary this is terrifying then I said to myself these guys do 150 200 bungee jumps every single day seven days a week for longer than I've been alive they know the process so all I have to do is is trust the process and then look after myself all I really have to do is actually look after myself and that's all we have to do in our dreams is really go there's a process let's find what that process is for selling more buying more building more whatever it might be building friendships building rapport we can learn those processes and now we trust those and now all we have to do is believe yeah, so what you're kind of saying is that if you're a bit scared of something, you go out and you look for people who have done this before and find out how you go about doing whatever it is, you know, yeah. and then just having trust that, hey, we're going to do the best we can given the, the information that we have. And don't be afraid to go out to someone and be like, dude, you're awesome. How do I do what I do? How do I do what you do? Mm-hmm. One of my, I've always believed in mentors. I've always believed in surrounding yourself with what I call my giants. So people who know what it takes to dream, to believe and to succeed. And when I started as a full-time speaker five years ago, so I've been speaking 
speaking for 15 years ago. 15 years I've been speaking, but the last five it's been professional, full-time, no other job. And he said, just go over and just ask people, pick up that phone 40 times a week and call people and be like, hey, I need your help. Mm-hmm. And, and people like to be able to help. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a compliment. Mm, I, I I mentioned before that I used to work for the the Auckland Philharmonia Orchestra, and I think within my first couple of weeks there, uh, I went out to talk to a, a business owner uh, to to ask them to donate something for a, a big charity auction we were we were having. And before I walked out that door to go to that meeting, um, the head of fundraising stopped me in the hallway and said just remember the number one reason why people give. And I said, oh, yeah, because people care about the cause. She said, no, they give because they're asked. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying, that if people want to help, but it's not until you ask that they know how they can help yeah. and the right way to do it. Because there'll be a million people right now probably, or maybe not quite a million, but lots of people right now who would be like, yeah, I'd help. You've got a million yeah. listeners. Let's go, man. Uh, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a million listeners. Come on, there. dream big, dream Dr- big. <laughs> I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming. <laughs> no, um, but, you know, there are people out there right now who'd be like, I want to help Cam out, but they just don't know how to do it. Yep. So it's not until they ask that it's made into a reality of, oh, yeah, this is how I'd go about helping Cam. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. As totally. long as it's reasonable and I, and I have the ability to accomplish it, then yep. sure, why not? And then as the person who's asking for that help, is about being consistent with your branding and whatever way that be your attitude is about if you ask for help from someone follow up with that person you know so you go to a mentor they say yeah I suggest you get in touch with uh, these people or do these things at the point that you've done those contact that person thank them for it say I've now done these and at that point you'll have that person in your life for a long time but mm. I used to run a mentoring program I'd set up a mentoring program and and the ones who did really well are the ones who had a clear goal they were really like self-driven by it and they just wanted to get little nuggets of inspiration along the way inspiration and information in order to keep going they'd take it off and they'd move on the ones who didn't do so well kind of just lost way in themselves, you mm. know, and they let other things get in the way or they weren't crystal clear on what they wanted to achieve. Mm. And it's kind of interesting. We've, we've almost started building out a process for how you'd go about um, ach- achieving these awesome things where you, you've got to start with your dream and then ask people for help. Because the one thing I've always found when asking people for help is that people want to buy into a bigger dream of what you're trying to create. Yeah. And if you can kind of say, look, I'm trying to, whatever it is, for you it might be, I'm trying to um, get the message out that even if you, no matter how you're born, you can achieve whatever you want. Totally. And I, I can imagine if you came to me and asked, asked me for help and said, I want to I want to help people realize that it doesn't matter how you're born, you can do whatever you want. I'd be like, that is a wonderful dream. How can I help, you know? Totally. So, and it's real in parallel with you, you've, um, 
but Simon Sinek guy, right? Mm-hmm. Who's a staff of Dubai. And when you look at all the sort of most successful companies in the world, they start with a why. Like, why choose us and then work out to what it is that you offer. And so letting people know, and that's that thing of letting your mentors know your brand. Why do you do what you do? Why do you want me to introduce you to person A and person B? Mm-hmm. To get a job, that's not gonna that's not gonna work because you want to influence a hundred thousand people by the year twenty twenty. Yeah, cool. That's doable. Uh, can I can I go right back to the start of the podcast where you said something that's so interesting that. Um, that when you were born, some some of the medical professionals, you know, kind of said, "Oh, this is what life's going to be like." Yep. Um, but you said you and your parents made the active decision to live a life more awesome. Can, can you talk a little bit about the um, influence they had right at the start? Yeah, and when I say me and my parents, it was probably more my parents at first, right? Because I've just been born, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, my parents were just people who really had always been stepping outside their comfort zone. So my mum, when she was at high school, uh, her teacher asked her, oh, where do you want to live? And she was living in London at the time, and behind the teacher was a map of Holland, and she just said, oh, I want to go to Holland. And and the teacher said, oh, why Holland? And she said, because I think it's interesting to go and, and surround yourself with people who speak different languages, who do things differently. And so she stepped outside her comfort zone and she went into this country where English wasn't the first speaking language and she loved it. And there she'd met my dad, who was a dog trainer, but had come from New Zealand and was told that he wouldn't be smart enough to be a dog trainer because he had dyslexia. And back in the 70s, if you had dyslexia, you were considered dumb you know, or not smart enough. And so my dad had got to Holland and one of the first dogs he he trained uh, was actually a wild wolf. Shit. And so he had been given the opportunity to not intentionally, but just through, I believe that the world is a way of making way for people who know we're going in this life, right? And every single dog originates from the wolf in some way. So the fact that he was able to train and tame a wolf meant that he learned so much about dogs that now, 35 years later, he is still a professional dog trainer here in New Zealand involved with things like the go dogs back in the day, training dogs for TV, training police dogs, but now training everyday dogs for everyday people. So it sounds like your parents are both pretty pretty inspirational people. Do you think that, and it's obviously been passed down to you as well. But do you feel like is it is it something you're kind of born with this kind of this innate drive and hustle, or is it something that they've taught you? I, I'm of a believer that luck is a reflection of what we see and what we do and what we create, right? So people will be like, oh, you're lucky to have the parents or the opportunities that you have had. And hands down, I am totally lucky to have had those people in my life. But 
the fact is that I always knew that I wanted to live a totally awesome life meant that I was was able to see the awesomeness in what my parents had provided and what they were achieving in their own life and take inspiration from that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure sure at what point we can go, that's how we were born or that's what we've learned in our environment because I also believe that where you've been doesn't have to influence where you're going as in you could have had a really tough upbringing and still at some point become very, very inspired or you could go the other way. You could have a very inspirational upbringing and feel that you've dropped out of what you could achieve because you get stuck in people we can get stuck in parts of our life and as a teenager as a young teenager i got stuck in the area of defeat defeat mm-hmm. kind of speaks for itself as an athlete i consider i was stuck in this area called potential so we grow up yeah we grow up thinking potential is a good thing and it is but if we stay there for too long, we become stuck. So for potential is everyone was saying, yeah, Cam, you can be an athlete. This is good. You're going to go these places. We'll give you awards based on the potential that you've got. And so you start feeling that I'm the guy with potential. But actually, I want to be more awesome. I want to go to the next level. But going to the next level means stepping outside that comfort zone and into the unknown, which becomes commitment. And sometimes we get stuck in commitment as well because commitment is good, but it's not good if we get stuck there as in our life as man. I'm so committed to that dream. I'm working 22 hours a day I'm never seeing my family I'm never you know I, but I'm still not really making any money I'm still stuck and so when we're stuck in commitment that becomes a bad thing as well so it's about getting into that realm of what is your most awesome life and what does that look like to you and the thing is that there are all these theories out there for people there's all these books we can read but we need to take inspiration from those we can't get too overloaded by what everyone's telling us is a success we need to take the little bits that work for us and create our own process Mm, so at some point we've got to say you've got to start to realise that potential otherwise you're always going to have potential yeah. um, but you've got to make the commitment to say well I'm going to focus on realising that yeah because you, know? you don't want to be going all over the place and that's the thing for potential is well I can potentially be a podcaster I can potentially be a speaker I can potentially write a book and so you start investing in all these different areas but you may never if you're always always just stuck in the potential you won't get beyond that into mm. okay now I can build a full career out of it mm. in which case you've got to start closing yourself off to some of the potential that you may have yep. and say well I'm not going to pursue that and I'm going to focus on the one or two things or the three or four things that I really want to do well yep. so I can realise the potential in those yep. those situations Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Real interesting. Yeah. And so we haven't even talked about when you when you've gone overseas and competed internationally. I mean, we could we could probably talk for a couple of hours. Yeah, but I want to. I do want to explore this quickly. Um, where when you went overseas as a New Zealand athlete and and competed internationally, can you can you talk share a few thoughts with the audience about that? Yeah. So that, that was cool, but. 
and this is going to maybe clarify the potential thing a little bit more. So, so I'd had that tough time as a teenager. Now I was just doing an athletics where I was competing all over the world. I was getting sponsorship. I was getting recognition. I was getting awards. And I did. I trained like 20, 25 hours a week because when I commit to something, it's 100% or nothing, right? And so I, from that first race, I started in my head saying I am the best athlete. What do I need to do in order to be that athlete? But And so I went on and I won championships in New Zealand, Australia and Canada for the 100 metres. I made it in the top 10 in the world of athletes with cerebral palsy. But at the end of the day, I always believed there was something bigger for me. I believed there was something that I could influence more people with and that became my speaking but it was easy to stay in the athletics mm-hmm. realm of which was the realm where everyone's going, yeah, you can do this. You can get to the Paralympics going out and telling people I want to be a speaker. Whoa, that's a whole different thing because you yeah. talk funny. We don't know many other speakers with cerebral palsy, but we know a lot of athletes because of the Paralympics. So that's that whole potential thing. Like, my potential was becoming my identity Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something bigger and better I wanted to be competitive I love I see speaking as being a really competitive industry and it's not about being better but it's about being how do I get on that same stage fantastic so where are you aiming for now with your speaking kind of gigs so I I Started speaking 15 years ago. I got to a point where I was doing one speech a month uh, where uh, I, I kind of wanted more. And I wondered, how do I grow this? How do I build a brand as a speaker? And I jumped on all the celebrity speaker websites and I saw that all the people that they were representing had like an Everest of, they'd climbed Everest, but one, they were in all black, they were on TV. And I was starting to think, what is my, what is my pinnacle that I can hang my hat on? And I realised and I decided that New York City was the most competitive place in the world with so much stuff. And when it came to speaking, they've heard the best of the best. So at the point that I was getting one speech a month in New Zealand, I said, I'm going to go to New York. Oh, what? I didn't even know that. So so what did you do in New York? So I went to New York for six weeks, but it was an 18-month journey. As in before I went to New York, I was emailing every single day. I was making phone calls every single day, and I teed up talks so that once I got to New York, I was speaking with companies such as NBC Universal, Viacom International, which is the parent company to MTV, Nickelodeon, and Pictures. I ha- I what became my Everest because I came back to New Zealand and now Cam is bugging in New York for Viacom, NBC Universal and I thought it was all about making it in New York because in the words of Frank Sinatra, 
you can make you it make in these, New York, make it anywhere. you can make it anywhere. And that's what I learned because the world became a whole lot smaller. So that one speech per month in New Zealand became an expectation now of three to four speeches a week throughout the world. So last week or the week before, I was in Australia on the Wednesday, speaking in Auckland on the Friday and back in Australia on the, Friday, on the Saturday. Fascinating. So when you went over to New York, you, you, was that you were giving speech, uh, inspiring speeches for, yep. uh, for all for of these companies? For anyone, anyone. It didn't matter if there were five people in the room. And to be honest, the biggest was only about 50 people in the room. And I wasn't getting paid for any of them. I was setting up a venue. But for me, I want to do this for a long term, yeah. right? And so it's an investment in yourself. It's about stepping outside of that comfort zone. But I think the thing about it is that in America, I was America, we speak English, but it's totally different, right? It's totally different. It's uncomfortable, right? But it's a different dialect. It's a different way of communicating and so when I'm there having to make these phone calls and no one knows who you are it's really scary but then you realise back home in New Zealand we've really got that two degrees of separation really well I can pick up that phone call and I can have been introduced via someone who knows who I am so when I get back to New Zealand I'm going to hustle 10 times harder than I've ever hustled before because it's easy here. Fascinating. And um, I almost see that as like, this was your credibility building, yeah. you know, go, go, go there that. and saying, yeah, I've spoken for all of these companies yep. now and now forever and ever you can have these companies' logos on your website and saying, yes, I've, I've spoken for MTV. You know, yep. people go, man, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know? And, and now those companies, uh, you, you know, like the other week I was for Frontier here in New Zealand, like um, I'm getting into these great companies as well as in a week, I'll speak with a team, a government organisation, a corporate and a school. And that's what I love, from a five-year-old to a 75-year-old, because everyone else can get this universal message of Dream Big, Achieve More. Nice. Before we jumped on this um, the, this podcast and started recording, we, we talked about that sometimes you can get real pumped up at conferences and you're so excited um, and then you go go home and, and you kind of lose, lose some of that, you know, that you, it can be tempting to just go back to your day to day. So. Yeah. When you when you're when you're up on stage, how do you make sure that when these people leave your speaking gigs and are so pumped up, how do they maintain that so that it's it's this inspiration is lasting? Yeah, because that's that's my driver, right? Is to create a long lasting impact. Because in building your brand, you want constant association of which kids came in and wow, we've still got that inspiration and so what I do is I create what I call an anchor and so an anchor is a thing we go back to and so for me I use the word awesome a lot when I speak I have awesome on my on my stage I have it on my slideshows it comes in at these times and at the end of a talk people are like oh that's awesome, that's awesome but what happens is becomes this association and that's why it's an anchor because Five months, a year, two years later, I'll be get I'll get a postcard from someone in Hawaii who goes, "Hey Cam, just saw this postcard, thought of you," and they might say, "Hawaii is awesome," 
and the cool thing about that is that they've sent it to me because of my identification of awesome, but in that moment of time, they're thinking, what is it that we felt when we heard camp? Mm. And and how are we going with what we were believing in that point of time? The other thing I have is I give everyone in the audience a card. It's really simple. It says, dream big, achieve more. But those are throughout people's offices, in their bedrooms, on their mirrors, in their cars. And again, it's there as an anchor. And so when I'm picking up that phone, 20 times and I've had 20 no's, I'm going to remind myself that this is a part of the journey and all I need to do is get that one and I've got to the next level. I need to dream big, I need to achieve more. Dream big, achieve more came from when I started my sport, I thought this would be the ultimate life. I would become a Paralympian, I can hang out my hat and that would be it. Through aspiring towards being the best athlete that I could be, came a scholarship to university, I became strong, I became fit, I became more mobile, I got challenged into my speaking, and now I'm doing this full-time gig as an inspirational speaker, which is way more awesome than I could have ever imagined at the beginning of a journey. That's so cool, eh? So I, I, I'm just thinking about people listening to this now. I mean, whenever I listen to my podcast, I'm on the treadmill or whatever, so there's people probably working out listening yeah. to this, driving yeah. their cars or whatever and what I guess what you're saying is you know if you're listening to this what you should do right now is just think about some of the anchors you can you can bring on to so that when you are at the negative fives or the uh, the zeros and you're not feeling great you can bring back to what these um, the, these kinds of anchors are yeah. and remember that feeling of what it was in, in the great moment where you were feeling really happy or you were really feeling like you could conquer anything. Totally. It could be a photo, it could be a word, it could be whatever, but mm. find those anchors, own those anchors and appreciate what they're going to inspire next. Yeah. I was at a, actually at an emotional intelligence course a couple of months ago and I remember cool. thinking, God, this emotional intelligence stuff, this isn't for me. Um, my my girlfriend said that I should go along to it, so I did. Anyway, so it was a two-day course, and one of the things that initially that I thought, gosh, this is a this is a crocker, um, but it actually turned out to be really good, was drawing out what your kind of big dream was, and you know yeah. whether it was stick figures or whatever, and making it your kind of own. So I was drawing out. Um, I love speaking gigs as well, and I was and I was drawing out what it would be like to be on a stage and have people being like, man, this was such a great speech, or whatever. And I kind of started getting into it. And being like, oh yeah, and draw the speech bubbles with people saying wow and this kind of thing. But in itself, I mean, that could be somebody's anchor. Once you've figured out, I mean, what we've talked about t- today is start with start with this big dream that you want to accomplish. And the the one that, if you're listening to this, you might be thinking, oh, well, I kind of want to do this, but there's something maybe that little voice inside you that says, no, maybe I shouldn't do that, or oh, that's unachievable. But taking that big dream and letting yourself have it, and then yeah. creating your anchor around it, whether it's awesome or drawing a picture or a photo or whatever it is and then going out this is the second part that we've talked about and asking people very specifically for the help that you need to achieve it yep you know is that kind of what we've talked about today if i'm going to summarize it beautiful awesome (laughs) thanks i really appreciate that now i'm just picturing people on their treadmills clapping just saying wow (laughs) great summary (laughs) (laughs) you know um, this has been so interesting and real inspirational but is there any anything else that you want to leave the audience with today 
I mean, I, I've just really enjoyed chatting away, and it is that thing of uh, when we look in that mirror at the beginning of a day, at the end of a day, what do we see, what do we hear, and who do we want to be, and just really going for that because we can see all the challenges. We can be challenge-centric or we can be opportunity-centric and it really is a choice. I believe that and, like, things when I started, it was having a big dream and breaking it down into smaller steps and then just knowing that, you know, my mum used to always tell me, slow and steady wins the race and I truly believe that and... Uh, and we have to enjoy our race, enjoy our journey, but also look for the awesomeness, not just in ourselves, but in everyone around us. Because when we see the best in things and in other people, we see the best in us. So true, so true. And if people are uh, uh, pumped up now and they want to find out more, where can they go to, to contact you and to yeah, help you out or to, or to find out more about your story? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, website, um, and just it's my name, Cam Calcoon, which I imagine you're right in the somewhere because it's a funny name to spell, but it's C-A-M-C-A-L-K-O-E-N. And just look for that wherever. And uh, yeah, I was going to—I was about to spell it out as well because I was like, "Oh, people will be thinking, is it a C? Is it a K? Yeah, it's definitely the yeah. C." How do we say it? Yeah, exactly. Those names are funny. I've been introduced as all sorts. I had a MC once introduce me as Andrew Calhoun, the motorbike champion. <laughs> <laughs> I've never ridden a motorbike in my life, but I don't like, well, I have, but not at that level of being a professional rider. But I don't like making people wrong, so I just went along with it for a little while. <laughs> well, I'm quite lucky that I've got one of those classic names that, like, classic, classic kind of Pakiha names that you can't get wrong. Yeah. You know, nobody can get wrong, Ed McKnight, you know. No, it's yeah, so it's bloody good. Easy. It's good. But anyway, look, Cam, I really appreciate you coming to, along today and, and sharing your really inspirational story. And hopefully, the, the people, People listening at home uh, or at the gym or wherever they are uh, are really pumped up thinking, yeah, you know, if this guy can do it, I can do it totally. too. Totally. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the New Zealand Young Professionals podcast. As always, I am your host, Ed McKnight. Now, if you enjoyed the what you heard today with Cam Calcohen, head over to nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com where you can check out all the other episodes that we have or just keep scrolling through your favourite podcast listing app, whether it be Apple, Scribd, Stitcher, whatever it happens to be. Also, head along to our Facebook page. We are NZ Young Professionals, uh, where you can keep up to date with all the happenings in the young professionals world uh, in New Zealand. Hey, the other thing that I'll just mention that can really help out getting this podcast out to a whole heap of other young professionals like yourself is if you take the time to quickly share a two-sentence review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this, and uh, give us a bit of a thumbs up or a five-star rating review there. would really appreciate it because it helps to get this podcast out. It's probably the one thing you can do to really get this podcast out to other young professionals like you. The New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, hosted by Ed McKnight and brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.